This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Gone Rogue High Protein Chips. Visit Amazon or GoneRogueSnacks.com and use the promo code SPARTAN25 to get 25% off. You're listening to the Spartan Combat Series here on the Spartan Up Podcast. My guest today is strength and conditioning guru, Mike Barwitz. What really matters is life, people, and what they do with the time they're given and how they impact others. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Spartan Combat. This is your host, Ryan Warner, and you're listening to episode three of our show here. Can't believe we're three episodes in, and let's get to it. My guest today is Mike Barwitz. Mike is a strength and conditioning guru. He currently works with the Mets and the Red Wings and formerly the Dolphins. He's the CEO of Barwitz Performance Centers, and get this, he's trained Olympic athletes in over 40 different sports. This episode is going to focus on the work Mike did with an individual by the name of Brock Mueller. Brock was involved in a car crash in 2007, which left him paralyzed from the waist down. After two years of physical therapy, trying to walk again, he was unable to do so until he met Mike Barwitz. And I'm not going to spoil the ending, folks. <laughs> the work that Mike uh, did with Brock Mueller is incredible. It's motivational. It'll make you cry. It'll also get you excited to get back out there and get on your feet again. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to hear more from the show, please follow us on Instagram, Spartan Combat. You can also go to SpartanCombat.com for more resources. That's it, folks. Let's give it up for Mike Barwis. Upon arriving at the University of Michigan, the first two people I met, one Brandon Graham, which is a unique story in himself, uh, who's now you know a high-level uh, defensive end for the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the best in the country, uh, and was Elliot Mueller. Um, Elliot Mueller... Uh, was an Ohio State fan his entire life. He's Brock's older brother. And he grew up in Washington, Ohio. Uh, Ohio State, big O on the wall. Uh, no one in his family liked Michigan. And uh, for some reason, he felt at the same time like he was being called to visit Michigan, even though he wanted to go to Ohio State. And uh, I think his dad had a conversation with him and told him that it wasn't God talking to him because God hates Michigan. But uh, he, uh, so he... Uh, he ended up going visiting uh, the University of Michigan, and, and as an entire his entire life, he hated Michigan and was an Ohio State fan and committed on the spot. <laughs> he was supposed to do it, so he goes to the University of Michigan. I fly back from the from the Fiesta Bowl, land in West Virginia, get a plane, fly to Michigan. It's freezing cold. I just left Arizona. I walk off the plane. I walk into the gym. I'm getting ready to meet with the athletic director, and here's this kid. And we end up in the same place, same time as God would have it. And he's random. Random. And I, at the last minute, I made my decision. At the last minute, he made his. And uh, he walks in with a sling on. And I said, what's up, buddy? How you doing? You know, I start talking to him. Who are you? You know, he said, hey, I'm Elliot Mueller. I'm an offensive lineman from Washington, Ohio. And I said, what's up with the sling? Just tear your shoulder up. And uh, he kind of got stoic. You know, and I'm fresh back from a Fiesta Bowl championship and, I've got, I don't know, I got 27 rings. They're in a closet somewhere. My kids play with them to throw darts. They don't mean anything, right? People do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the journey is what matters. It's not the end destination. It's not the trophy you get. It's what you did along the way that gives that value. And the people you come in contact with are what make things valuable in life. And uh, so I looked at him and I said, you know, what happened? And he said, uh, Coach, uh, we were coming home from church Christmas Eve and his eyes started to well up. And he said, uh, we stopped at a stop sign, proceeded through the stop sign, 
nine-year-old man ran a stop sign going 80 mile an hour, hit my family broadside. My girlfriend died in my arms. My, uh, sorry. No problem. I, uh, uh, my brother's paralyzed and, uh, my father died. My mother got out unscathed. Uh, and I ripped, uh, I tore my arm out of this. I tore my rotator cuff, uh, ripping the door off the hinges to get my brother out of the car. So I remember thinking to myself, like, look, all these rings, all these championships, all of this time, 44 different sports, you know, over 5,000 Olympic professional athletes. What really matters is life, people, and what they do with the time they're given and how they impact others. And I looked at him and said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear it. I, I was just crushed. I came off a big high. And uh, he said, well, we saw a motivational thing that you did because I motivational speak. And um, my brother's in the hospital and we were watching it. And, you know, a lot of press about you coming here. and We're excited. And he's like, would you mind going to see him sometime? And I said, no, like, I'll go right now. You want to go? Let's go. So we did. We grabbed the O-line coach and, and we headed out. And uh, went right to the hospital. I missed a meeting with the athletic director day one, which – Probably wasn't advisable, but I figured this was pretty important. So we went uh, went to the hospital, and, and uh, Brock was in there. He was broken. He was tattered. Spine was broken. They had already given him less than a 1% chance of ever walking again. Mm. Um, his arm was you know, contorted and fractured, and uh, he was paralyzed. And I looked at him and started talking to him. The thing that amazed me is he was positive. He looked in my eyes and he said, coach, I'm going to be okay. Thanks for coming to see me. And I was making him laugh and joke. And I said, listen, nobody in here has this answer. It's up to God's will and your work to decide what happens. They cannot look at every cell in your body and determine the functional capacity. They're giving you odds based on what they know with their rehabilitation philosophy of what is paid for by insurance, what has been done in the past, what has uh, contributed to people walking and the cases that are specifically like yours have a low chance of walking in that environment. Mm -hmm. Change the environment. Change the environment. Do more than what others did and try and make it happen and see if God will will your work to accomplish something. And he smiled. And when I left, I think the physical therapist looked at him and said, that guy's nuts. Uh, you know, he's a physiologist. He's really smart. I know I got you, but you got to get used to being in a chair. You got to get used to being paralyzed. And, and it's not the part of the physical therapist. It's just, that's all that usually happens in that circumstance. So for two years, Brock went to rehabilitation and, and couldn't walk. Um, he used to come to practice and we'd roll him around the wheelchair. We'd throw balls at him and catch, you know, we all mess around, joke. And mm -hmm. uh, his mom called me and said, look, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, after two years, they cut his insurance off and they're not going to cover it anymore. And and uh, he's a mess. His dad's gone. He doesn't have anyone to talk to. And he, he respects you and believes in you. Would you mind talking to him? So I did. And we had a conversation and we had a long talk. And my, my assistant at the time, and uh, Parker Whiteman, and I had a, had a long conversation about, hey, look, you know, I'm willing to help the kid, whatever he wants to do. And so I asked him, I said, well, do you want to walk or not? And he looked at me, got kind of pissed. He looked at me and he said, yeah, I want to walk, coach. I, I've tried for two years. I can't. And he said, but I don't know what to do now. We don't, I don't really have that option. I said, well, whenever you're ready, you let me know. I'll start training you. 
<laughs> and he said, uh, he looked at me, he said, you're already here from sunup to sundown. What are you going to do? And I said, don't make excuses, son. I'm not making any. You don't make any. And he looked at me, he smiled. I said, I'll meet you whatever time we can be here. It doesn't matter. So we did. We integrated Brock into it. And we started working with Brock. And uh, and uh, in uh, six weeks, we had a Twitch with a new system that I wrote from scratch to engineer the program. And my, my assistant, Parker Whiteman, and I worked with him every day. And, and uh, in six months, he let us out of the tunnel in front of 110,000 people on Kings. Uh, it's the loudest uh, that I know of. It's still recorded in the history of the University of Michigan in the, in the stadium. Uh, if you look it up, Brock Miller Big Ten Network piece uh, is is the piece that won an Emmy. Uh, Big Ten's only Emmy, actually. Uh, they won an Emmy, and then uh, uh, I did a TED Talk on it as well. Uh, Mike Barr was TED Talk, but uh, it, watching him change and every day him struggling and fighting and battling uh, and keeping him in the gym around the team and the mm. team seeing it didn't just change Brock's lives. Life It changed the lives of his family who were fighting and struggling with him and dealing with his pain that they couldn't solve. It changed the lives of the boys that were in the gym and the men that were in the gym trying to grow themselves and watch his fight and realize that their fight was easier and they could do more than they thought. And they were inspired by him. He was inspired by them. And it was the way man is meant to be. We look to each other and inspire one another. We draw something out of a human being that you can feel in a presence when somebody has that. Mm -hmm. And when you get that, life changes. God wills things to change. And uh, he ended up leading us out of the tunnel in front of 110,000 people touching the banner. I refused to walk with him. Uh, it was his moment and God's moment and his family's moment. I met him at half, halfway across the field and helped him off. We got to the sideline and uh, the players... I'm kind of a gruff, as you can hear the voice, harder guy. And the players looked at me and they were all crying. And they said, don't you, you crying? And I said, no, Brock could walk, right? He wouldn't be kicking dirt in my damn eye. And they all started laughing. <laughs> so we, uh, we all joked. But at that moment, I knew life had to change. That it wasn't just about impacting these athletes. I was denying what else was put inside me cognitively, physically, mentally, that I could give to the world. Hmm. And uh, while I was training Brock, people didn't know I had taken our defensive coordinator's daughter, had a taxi and a rare uh, bundle of blood vessels wrapped around her brainstem. She was a lacrosse player at Columbia and had become a taxi and couldn't walk either. And she ended up jogging uh, by the time we were done. And she danced at her wedding and she has babies now. And she's, uh, we rehabbed her at the same time because I was watching him working with her on the field and I couldn't stand it. I'm like, give me her, I'll take her too. So I took her, I took Brock, and then there was another buddy of mine whose buddy, Andy, had brain cancer for years and had lost the ability to walk, and we got him walking too. And all three of them that were impossible scenarios ended up walking, running, doing their things again. And, and uh, I realized that God had given me the opportunity to do what I wanted to do a long time. Mm. I didn't deserve it. He just gives you what what you don't deserve. That's grace. Yeah. And uh, I ended up in a position where it was time for me to do what I was supposed to do, not just what I wanted to do. And so that's what I, you're doing now. You do you do a little bit of, bit of both. You know, pro athletes, a little bit of what we're talking about there. I don't know if you call it rehabilitation or, or what it is, but that's another segment of your work. Yeah. So we wrote uh, we wrote the uh, uh, program for neurological reengineering. Neurological reengineering is us. Got it. 
Uh, we wrote that for neuroclients. People fly from India, Australia, England, all over the world to come to us. We're like top, you know, rehab clinic for neural patients around the world. And people fly in from all countries. We've had now, I mean, hundreds of people walk at this point now. Uh, and I haven't. God has. I got nothing to do with it. I'm just a dummy. Let's be a part of it. So, <laughs> let me ask. So. Let me ask you this, Coach. You are a guy who's extremely optimistic, and I've got that from everything I've read about you, and, and definitely from this interview. How much of it? How much of the taking someone who can't walk to walk is instilling the belief in them that something else is possible versus the the science behind it? I'm sure it's a little bit of both, but how would you weight those two? Like if I think you, it's both, you know, I think yeah. I think it's that. I think it's the environment. You know, I put them in an environment that's it's not sedated. It's not. Beige walls uh, at a rehab center. It's, it's, it's intense. It's inspiring. It's driven. You can get more out of yourself hormonally in that environment than you can in, in a sedentary environment. You know, it's just, it doesn't, it, that, uh, the caring, the love, the support, the fact that you believe in them, therefore they believe in themselves. Uh, and the science is very intricate. Uh, and what I wrote, I mean, Everything I wrote in physiology was neurally based. Every program I write is neurally based. Mm -hmm. So I took all of the different facets of how I developed the neurological programs for our athletes, and I reconverted those facets back to the medical side where I had originally studied and said, I'm going to take all the things I've learned from making a person 1% better in one area by doing this with the neural system, and I'm going to combine it to someone who can't move at all. And we put it all together. And it was God's design. You know, he, he brought me through it all in a way that everything I did from the time I started wrestling when I was little to the time I went into physiology and medicine to the time I was in athletics all led me back to the same place with the answers I needed. Mm. So my history and my journey gave me the answers for the problems that I was faced with. And, and now... You know, we, we do PT, we do Cairo, we do performance training. We work with over 5,000 Olympic and pro athletes in 44 sports. We work with everything that walks or talks and some that don't, and sooner or later they will. That's, well, that's it. God, I mean, you think about the randomness of you being at that open practice football field the same time as Brock's brother, and you don't think it's random at all. You know, you think that's, you know, and I, I, I respect that. And I, it's exciting to think that, you know, it's, you never know until the, you know, that, the next day until something's going to happen, right? You know, you just keep putting your head down or doing the right things. And eventually, you know, connections will be made like that. Like you're saying, um, I want to go into the science a little bit. Cause I've heard you talk about Wolf's law and that was developed during the, uh, I guess during the Soviet union. Um, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm really fascinated by that. Talk about Wolf's law a little bit and how that impacts your methodology. You know, the body conforms and adapts to the intensities and directions it's eventually subjected to, right? So that's, that's Wolf's Law. Wolf's Law was originally designed as a law of bone, for bone, right? So if a bone takes an impact, it will conform and adapt to that given intensity that was applied to it. And in the direction that that intensity was applied, if it happens on a habitual basis, sometimes acutely as well with a bone, right? So if I continue to smack a bone in small areas, it, it deposits calcium, right? Yeah. If I add a stress to a bone, it thickens and strengthens. Uh, if you think of weight training, what are we doing with a woman with osteoporosis? We give her calcium, right, uh, uh, and, and bone matrix nutrition, and then we allow to accommodate stressors on the bone, which causes the bone to thicken and strengthen. Uh, we know that. That's a law of, of, of bone for sure, but what we realized was it wasn't just that. It's a law of medicine. 
Everything in the human body conforms and adapts to the intensities and directions it's eventually subjected to. Mm. Life does, you know, and, and, and looking at that and saying, what is it really? Let's take the squat, for instance, right? If I take a bar and I put it on my back, the body will conform and adapt to the intensity. Let's say it's 500 pounds to 500 pounds in a downward direction. If I do it on a regular basis, what do you do? You take calcium out of your diet, you thicken the bones in your legs, you thicken the bones in the spine, you strengthen all the structures to allow for them to handle load. Your connective tissue changes and allows for greater stress. Your muscles adapt to overcome those forces. All of those things can form and adapt to those intensities and directions. And so do our cells in our body, mm -hmm. everything we do, right? So devising our programs for me was really simple. I'm going to take the way our body adapts to things and adapt my system around the body, the way the body was designed. Instead of asking a design structure to adapt to me, I already know that it adapts to these things. I know there's an end goal to accommodate my results, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to work from the end goal backwards. So I know where I'm actually going. I don't want to be wearing a blindfold trying to drive my car home. You know, I'm, I'm going to work and roll backwards so I know where I'm going and I know where I need to end up with a cell because everybody says you train sport specific. Not really. You train cellular specific because what you're doing is providing a specific stimulus to a given cell to accommodate and elicit a desired adaptation. Hmm. Therefore, I've got to know where I want to end up to get there. Otherwise, I can't provide the appropriate stimulus. So I started working backwards and saying, how do I design every facet of training from speed, agility, plyometrics, you know, explosive training, impulse training, weightlifting to adhere to the end destination with the systems we desire and supply the accurate stimulus to sell to get the desired result. And, and Wolf's Law is the governing body of how that happens. You know, yeah. and if, if, if you randomly supply stim stimulus, you randomly get results. This episode of Spartan Up is brought to you by Gone Rogue High Protein Chips. Visit Amazon or GoneRogueSnacks.com and use the promo code SPARTAN25 to get 25% off. That's it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spartan Combat Series. We'll be back next Saturday with a new episode. In the meantime, please go to SpartanCombat.com or follow us on Instagram at SpartanCombat. Take care. <laughs>